0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. But this is, you know, so much horror is about violence, but we as Black horror creators are really going to have to balance the trauma that our readers are already feeling about the violence in their social media, in their families, in their lives, with escapism, because horror is supposed to be escapism, but if it's too violent if it's, if it's flagrantly sort of posing Black bodies in, in, in ways that we see them posed in our social media, that is not escapism anymore. So we have to really think about how to create horror, um, I think, in more thoughtful ways than the slasher model. Welcome to the Sci-Fi sci fi side a podcast under the Believe Podcast Network about black science fiction, black fantasy, and staying on the same page in this marriage with Ben. Ben, thoughts? We just heard the voice of horror author Tanana Reeve Du who's really going to just ground us in today's discussion. You found that quote.
1: Yeah, well, I only listened to three podcasts, Nightlight, Imaginary Worlds, and The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And Nightlight is this amazing horror uh, black horror podcast please go check it out um, they feature a short story every week I think I think every other week and they do an interview with the author and Tananarive Du is one of the premier horror writers of this generation and she also teaches uh, like the sunken place class or she te- based on like Jordan Peele's work And she's also in *Hard noir, which we've watched. I mean, she's everywhere. So, yeah, please go check her out. Read one of her books. Listen to this podcast. And that quote is... Man, little, little, little did not listen to... To Nana Review because Them is a whole hot mess.
0: Yes, so welcome to episode 31 of the Sci-Fi Side. Today, if you didn't already know, we're going to be discussing the Amazon Prime TV series Them, directed by Little Marvin, produced and, you know, co-signed by Lena Waithe, even though, honestly, she's getting dragged, <laughs> for the most part, on the internet, on the TikToks for her hand in this creative project. So yeah, Ben, why don't you talk a little bit about like why we chose this and what we thought it was going to be. Uh, oh, just so you know, there will be all the spoilers in this episode. We, we just want to say that off the top.
1: Yeah, I mean, there really isn't a whole lot of like specifically black horror by black horror creators. So this seemed like a perfect opportunity for our podcast to watch. And going into this, I had read some reviews and they had called this degradation porn mm-hmm. and I went in with very low expectations. I also went in wanting to like it, like wanting it to win. Yeah. I don't know. What what was your uh what was your expectations going into this?
0: I don't know. I had to take a deep breath because I like you I'd seen the trailer I had braced myself for, like, oh, this is going to be some bullshit, but maybe I I had hope that, you know, this was going to be completely different from what this trailer represented. So I was, like, looking for the twists. So I went in saying, like, the internet is dragging this. Everybody's judging this work, this body of art, before they actually know what it's going to be. So we're going to give this a chance, and we're going to hope that this goes well. And... (laughs) It it happened.
1: So one of the other podcasts I really like is Imaginary Worlds, and they did an episode called Horror as Healing, and they feature a horror director on there, and he sort of talks about how horror writers are often considered like degraded to begin with and depraved, specifically slasher horror films.
0: Can you just break down really quickly what slasher horror is because you had to sort of like guide me through that journey cuz I'm not a big horror buff?
1: I mean, slasher is just people being murdered with sharp tools and tortured with sharp tools by some sort of entity. Deal with like horrific things, specifically horrific things happening to women, and it horror specifically slasher looks at sort of things that oftentimes our society doesn't want to look at or address whether it be like rape and or murder of family or murder of children Uh, I'm thinking about the new Halloween movie specifically the 2018 and it starts with like this little boy being uh, strangled and like having his head bashed against the car by Mike by Michael and it's absolutely horrific that whole movie is horrific and but critics loved that movie, and I, I think we have to be careful of like judging this show w- through the lens of like Jordan Peele, which was all the reviews people were comparing this Jordan Peele. And- well,
0: to be fair, like you can't. There's a movie by Jordan Peele called Us, and then you created a movie that's horror called Them. So it's like you don't if you don't want to be compared to Jordan Peele, like. Get a new name, ho. Like, why? Why would you? Why would you choose that name and choose similar themes of like different versions of ourselves being possessed by darker versions of ourselves? So it's when people are saying like, well, these aren't two mutually exclusive things. It's like we didn't want it to be, but you made us make that connection in our brains because there are so few, like you said, black horror directors and uh, creators.
1: Yeah that's fair
0: or or ones that have not got their opportunity to shine
1: you know we are going to be discussing some like pretty disturbing scenes so just trigger warning to anyone out there
0: i mean let's get specific trigger warning uh rape trigger warning eye gouging trigger warning lynching trigger warning blackface like
1: infanticide this...
0: infanticide uh, this this whole this whole Experience was just one big trigger.
1: Okay, so, uh, and I, all right, there were some reviews that we also read calling for this to be removed from streaming services. Yeah, Ben's not a fan of that. No, absolutely not. So, (laughs) there's a long history under the specifically like obscene publication acts, specifically the one in the UK, where, uh, the, there was a time of these video nasties where videos were being, like, pushed out of hor- these horror films, like I Spit on Your Grave and The Last House on the Left. And this uh, podcast, one of the podcasts I really like, again, Imaginary World, sort of looks into all that. And it's nothing new for people wanting to, like, stop slasher horror films from coming about. And that's what Them really is, the more I thought about it. It's not, like, elevated horror like Us or Get Out It's not, it's not that. Like Jordan Peele is just a master filmmaker to begin with. And
0: he made it look effortless. Yeah,
1: and he deals with like, you know, black experiences, specifically black experiences in the U.S. So people think that if if a black creator creates about a horror film about black experiences in the U.S. that it's going to be this super elevated thing where in actuality it's just black slash.
0: Yeah, or it's like Jordan Peele's just going to be the standard for it and everybody else is going to be, like, compared to him.
1: Yeah, but I think every – I mean, any horror creator now who makes something should be compared to Jordan Peele. I agree. Right? Because he's sort of – also, Jordan Peele has been in the game for a really long time. He's been making things, not just horror but film in general, for a very long time, shorts and comedy and everything. So he knows his way around a camera – that I think most people don't. And I think it annoyed me reading a lot of these reviews, which I think all of them were incredibly val- valid. We'll put one, especially one from Vulture, who the writer from that. Uh,
0: I went to follow her on Instagram after because I was like, I just want to live in your brain. The
1: Vulture writer from The New Yorker, Angelica Jade Bastien, a fellow Aries, a fellow Chicagoan.
0: You don't even know what Aries is. I, I, we don't even know the signs. We We know what ours are, but.
1: I'm just saying that if she ever listens to this, which I hope she does, and I would love for her to come on the podcast because I read a bunch of her articles and she is a horror fan. Like she knows horror because I was reading things. I was like, are these people like horror fans? You
0: mean like Aries?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I guess people like to say signs or I know I anyway. I don't know what an Ares is. Yeah, so Angelica is the shit. I would love for her to come on the show as a professional next time we do an actual good show that she tore this up and she had some really great points that we'll get into sort of at the end. But again, I read all this going into it. So my expectations for this were twofold. It was going to be uh, just straight slash and I could appreciate it on that level, or it was going to be truly awful, disturbing, and it should be removed from streaming services, which, why I watched it, I don't think it should be removed from streaming services. I don't think it's... Yeah, I agree with you. I I mean, I've watched enough slasher horror to know that everything that this movie did to its black family and to the black characters in it were not new. Right. You know, it, it wasn't new. Well,
0: that's the problem. It's, it's sort of like... You remember last week or a couple of weeks ago, you were saying when people submit short stories to Locust magazine and these science fiction magazines, there are these rules because we've seen it all. So that was the, a major problem for me. It's like, I've, oh, I've never seen black people being lynched and persecuted. What's that like? It's like this showed us nothing new. So it's like, what did you really add to the narrative Like, when I sit here and think about what was truly added, what did I gain from this that I didn't know about? I can't think of one thing.
1: Yeah, parts of this felt like Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets, you know, racism. Right. 1950s racism.
0: It's like... Are, were there people out there that didn't know racism was violent and grotesque? Like maybe this was for them. Or how many times we're we gonna say them during this podcast? Probably as many times as they said it during the TV series.
1: <laughs> I think honestly, it's it's a slash, it's a slash. I'm gonna call it black slash. It's black slash, which is centering black characters and blackness.
0: But was it centered though? That's that's probably something we should get into today because I said time and time again. Like, yeah, there was a black family, but there were several white characters. Like, way more white characters than black characters. More white people got a check than black people on that set, just looking at it from an actor perspective. White people had fully realized narratives in the story just as much as the black characters were, so that was also my problem with it. It's like, you can do black slash if the cast is majority black, but when the cast is majority white... And you're persecuting the black people. Did you do black slash? Can that is is black slash? I'm tripping up those words. Is black what makes black slash? Is it the creator? Is black? It's kind of like that anime conversation we had, or is it stylistically? Could you provide some insight on that?
1: I literally created the phrase just now, where it's sent where the victims of the slasher. Are black people and only and solely black people based on their blackness, based on racism? And I think that's sort of what this is. It's it's maybe putting in terms of the American experience in terms of a slasher film, where there's this like monster, whether it's Michael Myers or whether it's you know Freddy Krueger, and it's it, the sole victims are black people, which so. the, those old slash films have done that. But usually the first victim is this like soul black character, right? Like that that was the stereotype, whether it be Scream or whatever. And now it's all the victims are just black people.
0: So black slash, the term that you just coined, so that you could never make a slasher film, you know, set in Wakanda. That wouldn't be black slash. You, I guess because you... the victims, even though they are black, they wouldn't be killed on the basis of their race. Because yeah. everybody's black.
1: Yeah, Or, yeah, I don't know. That would be, I don't know. I mean, the slasher film genre.
0: All that black-on-black crime slash.
1: I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we should probably get into just a brief summary. So basically, a black family moves away from North Carolina, you know, the Jim Crow South in the 1950s, and they move to Compton. California, uh, supposedly to a better life. Dun, 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 dun.
0: Grapes of wrath times 5,000.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they moved from the Midwest to California, right? During the Dust Bowl, which is like the 1920s, 1930s.
0: Yeah. I said it's times 5,000. That carried all of that.
1: But, it, okay. Anyway, soon soon they discover that the white community that they moved into does not want them there. Oh No
0: way wait what they,
1: they are, are yeah so they're harassed over the next 10 days by they are harassed over the next 10 days by their racist neighbors but even so the more terrifying than that i guess well actually i don't know but don't know. but more you know another part to this is that there's actually a racist entity in the house that is haunting them <laughs> uh and it takes on varying forms so Okay, what was like your first impression basically after the first two episodes?
0: You know, it's like when you go to your friend's play and you're like, ah, I, I really want you to win. And then, you know, you get through act one and you're like, "And and I've been that friend. I have been that friend where you're watching me on stage. You're like, this narrative doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust that my friend Amber wouldn't be a part of a project unless it wrapped up in the end. And around about episode five, which if you haven't seen it yet, episode five is when shit really gets like it's it's pretty graphic and pretty bad before. But episode five is like maybe grab a puke bucket. Like things were showed that were like not okay. And so that was the point when I was like, I'm really, really losing faith that they're not going to wrap this up well after them feeling the need to show us that grotesque scene. And so around episode nine, there are only 10 episodes, y'all. Damn, 10 episodes. Episode nine, the black people had still had like zero wins. So that was when I was like, I'm going to have to tell my friend that this show is bad. Or when they ask me after and they're like, how was my show? I'm going to have to be like, uh, well, you know, the costumes were great and the camera angles were uh, clear. And it, it, it's just so it was such it was so upsetting because you're wait, you're like i could deal with all of these black people going through all of this shit if they just you know ream everybody in episode 10 and then that didn't happen so it's like why did we wait
1: really okay because after the first episode i was like oh they wasted no time in showing how terrible the white community is so essentially they move into this community and they're part of the covenant of moving into this community, which is, the show is called Them Covenant. It's going to be an anthology series. Mm-hmm. What they have in this covenant is that you can't have any quote-unquote Negro blood or a Negro heritage. Mm-hmm. And it's written contractually in the covenant. And at this point, that is now no longer legally binding because it's against the law by this time. And so the community, right away, they set up like, seats, and they play, like, this really awful, like, blackface music mm-hmm. as the family's waking up, like, day after day, and I think after the second episode, or the, uh, it might be the first episode, um, they, oh, yeah, I think after the first episode, um, what happens is that their dog, their, like, cute little dog is killed, and their daughter the youngest one the family is uh ruby who is sort of uh you know beginning high schooler and then gracie who's just starting school and then there's lucky and henry this is the the black family that this whole story centers on allegedly it does i i think it it centers on their experience over 10 days right and so gracie wakes up in the middle of the night and, like, sees this really terrifying entity, like, this silhouette. And it turns out that this is a white teacher from this book that she's been reading. And this white teacher is called Miss Vera, And she gives, like, these very strict lessons. And Miss Vera sort of starts haunting Gracie at one point, like, starts to strangle her. And Gracie wakes up with these marks. And it turns out that the dog is also murdered. And so the family is immediately thrown into this rage. And Lucky, the mother specifically, pulls out a gun and starts, like, waving it at the white neighbors who have been harassing them the moment they've come in by, you know, setting up, like, a blockade. You know, waves a gun, and by that time, it just elevates. So I didn't think it took any any time. I, I feel like they jumped right into terrifying and horrifying this family and brutalizing this family.
0: I agree with that sentiment, but what I'm saying is, if if you dropped brutalizing and horrifying the family on us in episode one and two, how is the plot gonna develop and move? And so, so we're like, okay, episode one, brutalization, two, brutalization, episodes two through eight, brutalization. It's like, okay, we've all, we get it. You hate blacks. What's next? Like, where's or are we going to harness these supernatural powers or am am i just watching the haunting of black people for 10 episodes straight like what did we really like the the white characters were more fully realized like we got to know some of their parents we got to know their backstories more especially betty the main girl we 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 detoured and got to know her more to maybe be sympathetic to her character. She she was written to be more sympathetic towards her. We got to know her husband, Clark, who sounds like, like is a closeted man, gay man. So it's like, wow, we got to actually see some like, you know, what am I trying to do with my hand right here? Spotlights of these characters past. And the only thing we knew and got to learn about the black family was more trauma. It's like, but we've seen that. Can we see any happy moments like so that's why I was saying like it needed to move because we had already seen in one and two what they did for the rest of the series.
1: Yeah, it seems that all the character development was just based in plot. For example, um, Henry, who is a World War II vet, mm-hmm. part of his service was being tus- tested uh, with mustard gas. And so w- there, when there's a flashback scene, his shows him being triggered by anything sweet, like any pie or any um, any kind of pie. Like he's immediately triggered and um, th- you know, either goes into a rage or goes into just like a fit of like an an, an, a fit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so we we learned that about Henry. Um, we learned that lucky from the very beginning, there's this very haunting scene that teases that, you know, she had a son and the next scene, the son is not there and they're moving to California. You're wondering, like, what happened to this son? And it's very clear within five minutes that the son was probably murdered right? and something really ha- terrible happened to, yeah. as, to her.
0: As an audience member, we received, like, oh, the baby yeah. was killed.
1: So, yeah, let's just go ahead and get into the themes after our first impressions. You mentioned haunt hauntings. So each of the family is haunted by this particular entity. And so for Henry, it's his World War II past, which is an actuality, and then there's the you know the the tap dance man who is this man in blackface who sort of haunts Henry and sort of you know you know instigates him to respond violently to the racism he receives at His job uh, it makes him feel guilty for not always being able to protect his family. That's the first haunting, and then yeah. What do you thought? What did you think about the hap dancing man?
0: You know i I will say that it was lost on me at first, and then when you sent me the podcast about how we use horror to heal and process our grief, I think that gave me a, a a much better appreciation and a better lens for that, but I hate this notion that we are solely haunted by our demons and it is to our detriment. Like it was really refreshing in that Nisi Shaw talk like a man series that we read that a character was haunted and there were times that that figure that haunted them like helped and harmed. And so it feels just so one note and it feels like, we're we're vilifying these, like, spiritual and supernatural black elements when they solely are here to, like, wreak havoc on everything. So I was looking for, I, when I saw the blackface character, I was immediately, like, I wouldn't say triggered, but it, it's really hard to just constantly watch, you know, blackface, like just so and and hear zippity-doo-dah and see dolls hanging with these like pronounced lips like it's hard to look at those caricatures um and then as the show went on I got desensitized to it because I assumed maybe this demon character is going to help Henry like overcome process his grief and then you know stand in it and 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 do things that empower him and none of that happened so, so what was the moral of the story with the demon? Our demons haunt us and they will eventually kill us? Like, that was that the takeaway? No.
1: And that's a big part of this is um, hauntings as a way of dealing with grief. And it did seem lost to me, particularly, you know, the tap dance man. Did he really help Henry deal with his pie-eating, you know, fear? Like, right. it, it just... At times like what it purpose com- did he serve? Yeah, it almost seemed comedic, right? Like, yeah. that him being triggered by eating pie. Um, <laughs> and, and there's yeah. there's this scene... <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you shouldn't, yeah, it's, it's almost comedic. There's this scene where Lucky... So Lucky is also being haunted by the death of her child, which we find out her child is brutally mar- murdered, and they show everything. They, yeah,
0: even though it was even like we're smarter than that as an audience like we we registered that the child was killed and it was like little marvin and Lena away was like no you didn't let's show you how that black baby was murdered it's like why why
1: yeah it's shown like very explicitly and so because of that the black hat man is this other entity that's haunting lucky and it's not really clear who the black hat man is until sort of the penultimate episode but anyway because of this haunting lucky um, at one point, I, why am I laughing? This is not funny. Lucky at one point forces her husband Henry to like eat the pie because there's this angst that's developing between them because Lucky did not know that Henry had moved them into this white neighborhood um, of, of Compton. Like she didn't really understand how serious this was and she didn't understand that there was this covenant saying that people like, black people can't move there and so she forces him to eat this pie in this like really horrific revenge scene scene. but it's not horrific because it becomes almost campy
0: it does because well it's it's really fucked up at first and then you get into like damn this is my me forcing myself to eat a salad Like, like like you we we made humor out of it and then also like as far as black culture is concerned um I'm not sure if you, you, you've you seen what's love got to do with it with me with Ike and Tina Turner. And there's this like really horrible, like eat the cake anime scene. But it's become like a cultural phenomenon and a funny. So it was like a weird twist on that. It was like <laughs> I, I, it 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 went on long enough for like I think what little Marvin was going for was like, I want you to sit and be uncomfortable and shocking. But like you can't show us a man angrily, sadly crying, eating a pie. For 20 minutes without us being like, okay, now we're desensitized to the discomfort. So now we're just making jokes about, like, eating somebody's shitty pie or something.
1: Yeah. it. They did, they did do some back work showing him, like, at a different scene, like, right when he came back from the war, throwing pie. And then him talking about him being experimented on. But they don't really show any of that like at one point he is at work and he feels like he's back at the experimental um, place because uh, Henry Henry's moved out to uh, California because he is an engineer and he's gotten a job the only black engineer at this at this firm and he's you know being successful or whatever and making the most money as one character says the most money any black man that probably around and which is, you know, might be why he's able to afford this house. And there's some other specific things that we'll get into as well, why they're able to afford this house. And so, but they didn't really do enough work to show us that scene where he, like, I guess he fights through his trauma and he eats the whole pie. Like I'm not, I was a little confused by that scene. Anyway, let's go into like Ruby's haunting Because, again, hauntings are indexes of, like, other traumas. So Ruby is haunted by this, like, beautiful, like, you know, girl, this beautiful little white girl that Ruby wants to be. And her name's Doris. And Ruby, from what we see, she's constantly looking at magazines that feature, you know, white people. And she basically has this desire to be white. And that ultimately leads to one point where she, like, drenches herself in, like, white paint. It turns out that Doris, we're, we're suspect, we're sh- and, you know, we're sort of teased to believe that Doris is an actual friend from her high school. It turns out Doris is just a ghost haunting her uh, that is part of the house that they've lived, you know, moved into. So what did you think about um, Ruby's haunting?
0: I think that was the part of the show where I was like, oh, this series was made for white people mm. because, you know, we could we could go into ins and outs of like when this occurred, but we have all as black people and probably other marginalized groups had a moment where we wanted to be white or wanted proximity to whiteness. Um, and I'm not saying like that present day, but as as a child wanting... You know, the bluest eye, going back to Toni Morrison or wanting straight hair or sitting in the kitchen, getting your just for me relaxers in because that was our proximity to whiteness, chemically straightening our hair. Um, so it's when you are showing a little black girl's desire to be white, who didn't know that? is is my question like and and we are all then in that moment forced to sort of maybe this is a part of the grief processing maybe then we're all reinforced uh we're all reminded to like think back to that time where we all wanted that and that's hard to sit with that like the first time a white teacher gave us the compliment and we felt like larger than life that's hard to sit with so maybe there's a world where that narrative is you know 50 years from now, it's like, oh, that's what he was trying to do. But you got to counter it with something like show that desirability and proximity to whiteness and counter it with like, no, I don't want that. I'm proud of who I am. There was no counter to it. So it was just sad to watch.
1: Yeah. It didn't really add anything new to that type of arc. All right. And then finally, I think Gracie's haunting is Miss Vera, which is this very strict awful school teacher. I found Miss Vera absolutely terrifying. She is awful and and she so Gr- Gracie's also trying to like you know learn how to go to school and she's still learning like the words of the Pledge of the Allegiance and Miss Vera is relentless to Gracie who is this incredible child actor and has some of the most harrowing scenes and has the most creepy, like, little girl type scenes. So, yeah, what did you think about Gracie's haunting, sort of her struggle to, say, the Pledge of Allegiance?
0: I, I you know, as an actor, it, it's it's bittersweet, right? Because you're like, ah, here's a little black girl who is getting her moment in the spotlight and she's going to do well after this show. And I think that little girl is going to grow up. And, you know, when she's a teenager, she, they're going to ask her, like, what role do you regret doing? And she's going to say, I regret them. Yeah. Be- because if you if you talk to any of these, uh, if you talk to almost any older black actor and ask them what do you, you regret, Viola Davis, it's the help. It's it's these roles that I, I had the talent that was bigger than being a maid and being brutalized she's, in this way. She said that? Yes, yeah, she said that. What did you think of Gracie? Like, what, what did it? What was the narrative, and what did Gracie's character add to the narrative?
1: So yeah, this this is quite interesting. I have a book called uh, I think it's like the Alternative Black Curriculum from like eighteen ninety to nineteen forty, and basically it deals with uh, black schools and what you know black books were being taught, like these readers. So Gracie is using this reader to read learn how to read for the first time. And it centers like white children and this white teacher who turns out to be this haunting of miss Vera. And so the readers that were previously used in black education centered black people and centered black experiences and black writers. And so I feel like he was playing with that. But again, I had like, I did that work myself to make that connection. And I feel like he wasn't the creator, um, The creators weren't doing a clear job of Gracie sort of being one of the early students to integrate into white schools. And that integration into white education was this loss of black writers and black education. And they they're trying to they don't really make that clear, though. They They only. Yeah.
0: Because you could sort of tell when we first meet her, she is. I mean, just visually the the Ruby Bridges character of this, like, you know, everybody knows who Ruby Bridges are, uh, is. So this, you know, I remember when this scene happened and I remember you saying, well, what's the difference between Miss Vera in this story and uh, Bopsy and Mopsy in Lovecraft Country? Well, and-
1: I, I was thinking uh, the tap dance man.
0: This hap- oh okay well well let's talk about that if you've seen, if you've listened to our Lovecraft Country episode or watched Lovecraft Country I think it's it's really nice to compare these two bodies of work because it's sci-fi and horror in some scenes
1: again I, a lot of a lot of writers are doing that they're comparing Lovecraft Country and there is a haunted house episode in Lovecraft Country and one reviewer was like oh you know them took ten episodes to do what. Lovecraft, what, yeah, but I I think we have to recognize Lovecraft Country is like adventure, it's it falls more into the adventure. Where again, them is a slasher horror like series.
0: I hear you, but in the horror genre, I think it's really important going back to Tanana Reeve, do to make it very clear. And we could have a large conversation about this if you want to right now, but. The lines of what was horror and what was reality were so blurred that it was hard to accept this whole body of work as a supernatural horror film. It just was because if you went through with a little, a motherfucking like checklist, like three things were supernatural, everything else are real historical things that have happened to Black people in this country. Whereas Lovecraft Country, it was like. Okay, this is racism, sundown towns, and this is a motherfucking Shagoth running at me. So it was the the escapism was so escapism that we were able to see like, oh, I can stick in it. I can get through the grime of the racism because I know these supernatural elements are coming and I know that our heroes are going to fight back and do everything like that. So it was really hard to sit through them and hard to see... Like every scene was like, oh my gosh, is that a picture book with just white characters? Never seen that before. Like that's all of our picture books. So what, what did you add? It was it was just hyper realism. Uh, My question to you is is like you're not someone who thinks that the horror genre should be looked at as escapism, right?
1: Well, I mean, it can it can like any type of genre, it can be a reflection of actual experiences, or it can be escapism, or it can be um,
0: Do you think horror done well is escapism?
1: I think it it can work on both levels, right? Like for example, Get Out. I, I mean, Get Out's. There's no. Uh, I mean, there's a tiny science fictional element to it. Like you can't transfer brains into a body. Like you, that's not tiny. I mean, the, y- yeah, but most of the interactions, right? It's not like a. It's not like a. An alternate world or the. An, you know, a far distant future world where we have flying cars and stuff. Right. The right. Science it's science fictional. It is science fiction. Uh, but most of the, uh, the science fictional element, we don't find out really until the last 10 minutes of the film, right? And there are characters who have had that done to them, that brain switch, and it's teased in there. But most of the interactions is like this slow build.
0: But we got those moments of like, and now we're in the sunken place. Right. So now this is... Like, I don't think everything that was supernatural happened in the last 10 minutes. We got the moments with the maid. We got the moments with the the guy running across the yard. Like, we got these little teas, like, it, that held us on just enough. And I think this movie, you know, didn't give us anything supernatural. Uh, for They gave us one minute of supernatural element per episode, which Uh, frustrated hey folks amber here before we get back to honestly bashing this show we just want to celebrate listeners like you so i'm going to start reading these apple podcast ratings this one's from deanna b415 this podcast is gold i struggle to find friends my age to have conversations about content this podcast feels like i'm in a book club with friends it's the highlight of my week the commentary on society and culture is honest thought-provoking and funny And I'm inspired to read and watch everything Amber and Ben have mentioned in the podcast so far and look forward to following them on this podcast journey. So thank you, Deanna B. You know I love you, girl. Everybody else, keep those ratings coming. And now let's get back to the show. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, one of the the other big themes they deal with this is um, HOAs or like neighborhood watch groups. And supernatural. Right. No, that's that isn't. That goes into your whole theme of. Really, I think the the most horrific thing that happens is uh, these HOA meetings where everybody from this community comes together and they sort of like te- sort of try to discover ways to get rid of this family. Mm. And there are multiple scenes in, of this where Allison Pill Pill, who plays Betty, uh, you know, the most creepy, yes, you know, yes, pastel wearing, you know you know, 1950s housewife, you know, there's great scenes where I can't really differentiate between all the different men and all the different white women. There's like a lot of white men, a lot of white women from this community. There's way, as you said, way more white actors than black actors. And there's a bunch of scenes where they're like, the men are drinking beer in a garage trying to discuss how we can get rid of, insert every single racial epithet, like racist epithet here. And then the women sitting down and sort of eating pie. I think they're eating lemon meringue pie, and just right, perfect. And they're discussing, you know, how how can we get that, rid of them? And there's this harrowing scene where Al, uh, Betty, played by Allison Pill, says, "You know, they must to come from someplace worse to hear because they've already, you know, sat outside, played racist um, music, and sort of done things to harass them." And so Allison Pill says. Well, I should say Betty because that's her character. Alison Pill is a great person from
0: she's racist as well. <laughs> just Go ahead. No, I I think
1: she's actually she's from Star Trek Picard and uh, Dev. So she's been in the science fiction, you know, speculative genre g- game for a while. Um, especially for the past couple of years. Also in Scott Pilgrim vs the world. I, I yeah, huge fan of Alison Damn, Pill. Dick, ben. Okay, so she says Betty says, "You know, we have to make this place worse for them." And I felt like those scenes worked for me, like that those HOA and those neighborhood watch meetings. I was like, "Oh, this is something that."
0: What do you mean they worked for you?
1: I, they worked to like create. Oh, these are terrible, like awful people, and also it it normalized what these meetings were happening back then. And I think it it sort of fascinated me because you get this, so you get this. You get this one side where you get Jim Crow South, like, white, you know, inbred people who, you know, they rape Lucky and they murder her child. Like, horrific, awful. That happened, right? We know that happened. There's, it's well documented. And then you move to these, like, HOA neighborhood watch group where a lot of these men coming from the GI Bill— or you know they're blue collar, so they're working for these big companies. They're making a decent amount of money, and there's this HOA meeting where um, they are hesitant to do something like really horrific to this black family because they are. Um, I mean, they have a family, they have kids, and so there's this level there's this level of hesitancy of you know you know ramping it up and now and you know betty convinces them to do that but at one point someone calls out like do you want us to get arrested right Mm -hmm. and i think those scenes sort of teased it out that like that there's this jim crow racism and then there's
0: like nice white white and then
1: there's this like but it's not it's not it's not complicit because they were doing things they were they were doing things but it was like i'm going to you know, sitting out someone's, you know, at one point they set up all the desks, as I was saying, and play this music. Doing that is harassment. That is awful. And the fact that these people in these HOA meetings in neighborhood watch groups think that they're protecting their community, think that they're not as worse as a rapist and all of that is so, I thought was like fairly poignant and I felt like was a powerful scene.
0: I mean, I I agree with you, but what counters that is the question on the table. Nothing. nothing. Like, I can – I have witnessed horrible board meetings with racist parents, like, from not so much – from the schools that I've worked in here in Chicago, even though I'm sure that happens, but just because my mom was a principal, so sometimes I would go with her to these meetings and just play with a doll in the corner, and parents said fucked up shit, and she was a black woman principal, and they're saying it to her face, so it's just like, what I, we're going back to why the, the, film ne- the series needed a greater reason to be, because if you are a black person, none of this is new to you, you know that, even the the part, even the information bits about like this is what was known as the great migration it's i mean maybe it's because you know we're educated millennials but it's like who didn't fucking get that
1: yeah well and that's what this vulture article points out as you're saying is that this show seemed to be written for like white folk because you know people people you know black people know about the great migration but even more so what i think has been pointed out about this show already. We'll put the link in. Is that the idea that this happened in the '50s without a reflection of the 2020s? Because these kind of racist board meetings are still happening, right? There's still board meetings like this, like the HOA meeting that we witness in this, that are still happening. But one of the writers, one of the reviewers that we read, said, you know, this scene or this whole series tends to distance the racism of the present and I I was like I don't know if I completely agree with that but I but I see I see what you're going here it doesn't it creates it as if this is so far because of the way the cameras are shot the way the beauty of it like there's this there's this pastel coloration there's these um they call them like split diopter uh, shots where they split the screen and they show two people. The way it's, the way it's shot, seems shot seems so dis.
0: Tarantino and Hitchcock. Yeah, and right. can I say something else about that before we get into some more uh, really like concrete size? I would like to say this. A couple of weeks ago, we read The Dark Fantastic, which did shed some light on some pretty like sad realities about black characters reflected in fantasy and sci-fi and things of that nature. But at the end of the book, we were given hope. We were given hope because the author said art engenders empathy. And so art is powerful. Art can do things. Words mean things. So, you know, I I understand that this wasn't a Disney movie, but finishing this, what, what empathy was supposed to be engendered? Because that's the real question of who was this made for? Is this supposed to say, hey, white people, y'all have done some crazy shit. Get your shit together. Because that's fine if that was the purpose, but I didn't need to see it. Or I, I, I don't think that little Marvin and Lena Waith like, I don't know. Is it is it just my assumption that when you're a black creator, you need to be creating for a black audience? Because that's what I go in assuming things. Ryan Coogler created or directed rather not created directed Black Panther. I feel like he made this and said, black people, I love you. Here's our movie. Let's celebrate. So it's really hard to watch black creators. Walk away with a message for white people. Because what was the purpose of the art? It The art if the art engenders empathy and the art engenders emotion, the emotion to white people was like, look what you've done. And the emotion to black audiences was damn, we've been through it and we're still going through it. Like that's shitty. I don't want to, I don't want to navigate the world in a black body and be reminded constantly that people hate me and then watch something created by black people that says, and also people hate you. Like I think she described it in the artist. Well, I think she described it in the article as like viciously anti-black and I would have to agree with her. And it, it, it's understandable, not understandable, but it's like whatever the fuck when, you know, Levinson so-and-so does it with Malcolm and Marie. It's like, yeah, you're a white person and you didn't nail black characterization. Like, shocker. But when black people don't get it, I'm like, well, what's your, what's going on with you? <laughs> so, like, so. I'm not saying that Malcolm and Marie wasn't, uh well acted or anything like that but i just remember i was watching it and being like great black people are toxic to each other like what what was this supposed to do
1: well yeah i think i mean you're you're bringing up a point of like what is appropriate depictions of violence and then like what is appropriate depictions of violence against black people um to tell a story right and and if you're and if you do not if you feel like I don't want to watch this. This isn't for me, right? Then ho- it's sort of it's tricky, right? Because so much of horror is about violence. As as we got, you know, as that opening statement from Tananarive do. Well, here them pretended to be like this elevated horror, and it wasn't. And I and I'm going to keep on being like it is a slash film. It is about brutalizing specifically black people for being black. That is what this film, this, sorry, this series is about. And and I don't think that's really a, an appropriate time for our culture, right? For some people, right, who are horror fans, like actually there might be this, uh, again, like why people watch horror depends, but for some people, I don't understand why, this could be like a relief to watch this, or a way of like processing pain or grief, right? And I don't because,
0: because it's validated in this. It's or validated. Because you're a, a racist, and you're getting your rocks off.
1: I don't. No, it's not. No, it, that's not. I. I mean, again, I don't think someone's gonna watch this and like relish in this. They might watch it and realize, wow, like I didn't actually know. For some, like a younger, I don't know, 16, 17-year-old watches this, they might not have realized that redlining, that people actually sat in these roundtable discussions. There's a scene of this in the film where they were saying, okay, we want to move these families into this place, and we're actually going to draw a red line and say, we're only giving them these kinds of loans. And they have a conversation of that in them. It is insidious. And there was a, a tweet I saw where someone's like, you know, people have discussed all the horrors of like the eye gouging and the the rape, all that. But this is actually the most terrifying scenes, because this is how the ghettos were made in these cities. They were intentionally made, like the Jewish ghettos in Nazi Germany, they were intentionally built, right? Like this is what happened in America. You could not get alone. And you could only get a loan from these certain kind of loan sharks who had these ridiculous interest rates, and they right. give the interest rates in the fucking roundtable discussion, and I'm like, that's insane.
0: And I think that added, right? I do think that that added. And
1: yeah, added. and I feel like that that so they deal with this theme of redlining, which I thought was was pretty well. But let's let's go in a little bit into the developing plot because. The plot takes a long time to develop. It's a drudge of just the hauntings and all these like racist things that the you know the HOA does. But one thing um, Lucky does discover that other black families who have moved in, uh, the specifically the mothers of these black families have gone insane, and she goes and visits one and she discovers the black moms here have like murdered their children, mm-hmm. and it's really horrific. But I. I actually thought those scenes where she visits this black mom at her house and discovers that she's like cooking her children and has like amputated her husband's legs were again like slasher horror but the reason she does that is that turns out that these hauntings are happening to all black families who who move into this space. And you can therefore trace, like, so much of, like, men- like mental illness in black communities mm-hmm. as a result of, like, racial oppression, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah and... I don't like that, but... I that. Right, and I feel like he was going with that, and I felt like that... But to get to those moments, you have to deal with, like, so much horrific, traumatizing scenes, like... There was ways he could have made this without being so explicit and graphic. And I feel like the explicit and graphicness did nothing to this besides like traumatized watchers. Like mm-hmm. this film is, again, this series Especially is, yeah, this series is only for people who have watched slash films, know the horror genre and are like desensitized or or they're not going maybe for whatever reason, they're not going to be triggered. Like, OK, so white. This is like a, for a white viewing audience for the most part, and it was so interesting. I would read reviews on like bloody disgusting, which focuses on horror, and a lot of people who've liked this uh, that I the the people who I liked it were white. You know, this is like I think I read two review white reviewers. They were white reviewers. They thought it was decent. The two black reviewers I read hated it. Right. So again, like this is a very small sampling size, but I think this is gets into that. I thought that was still a powerful moment where Lucky starts to discover. Um, next, we find out because her child was murdered, she has been carrying around her baby's bones, and that scene was harrowing. Like yeah. that, she could not leave. Like, what did you think about that scene where, where she? Because that sort of that quickens the plot. Like, I think that's the end of the eighth episode, and then we just get into the end end of the series what did you think about that scene
0: I I thought it was uh expected a little bit because she was still carrying that box and and hiding that box places so something had to be in that box um I don't know that was that was hard I, I think that was something that we hadn't seen really mm-hmm. so I could appreciate the the newness of like oh wow her her trauma is literally carrying her everywhere or I thought those bones were going to serve to be like when she puts these bones to rest she'll stop being haunted Mm -hmm. by the things in the house and so so it's like doing things for doing things sake or slasher uh, is, is not my zhuzh because I don't know I think I think if you're we're we're in the golden era of TV. So if you're making decisions, they should all be like purposeful and intentional. So if you're showing me bones of a baby, what's going to happen next with these, with this, you know, new prop or whatever, or, you know, you've said before, like you see a gun in act one, is somebody going to get shot? If nobody gets shot, you're like, why did we see the gun? So I was looking for some more intention behind the bones, but it was really like a, oh.
1: um, Well, because of that, the police are called. She's sent to an insane asylum. And then we sort of jump into a second in time, and we discover the land in which um, this family, you know, Henry, Lucky, Ruby, and Gracie, have moved on. It was formed uh, by these Dutch settlers. There is a, some sort of demon that has possessed this man um, that, you know, i <laughs> Epps father or brother Epps has possessed this brother Epps and ultimately it leads to brother Epps convincing everyone in this town to murder this family really brutally it felt like rushed and awful and and then that's episode nine and it's
0: that was the one episode you had to sort of fast yeah we fast forward
1: through it it. it's just it was was it was like hostile it was like hostile like, have you ever seen the movie Hostel? I was like, okay, I, I don't want to watch this. We know what happens. But it turns out that Brother Epps makes this deal with some sort of demon and is now on that land. And his whole goal is to kill black people who move on this land because it's sort of implied that he blames this black family for bringing cause and harm. Anyway, It, it, anyway. it
0: felt misplaced because, you know, I'm, we, like I said before, we read many articles where people had only watched episodes one through five. So maybe if an episode like that would have came sooner, sooner, we would have been like, oh, this is, or I really liked, um, you know, hate to compare them, but in Lovecraft Country, the meet me and day woo, day goose scene oh, yeah, yeah. was like middle of the season and I think that was very intentional because then we were anxious to see how is this story going to play out for the rest of the series whereas this was you know you've given us eight episodes in live and live in color and then the ninth episode is in black and white it it felt like you said it's just very rushed very like we're trying to do something new and, and they're a day late and a dollar short <laughs> it just felt like Little Marvin said, "Okay, what have they not seen yet? I, I got rape check, eye gouging check, hanging check. Oh, they haven't seen a black person's fingers get cut off. Let's let's throw that in there. It 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 was precious. She she's got to be obese, illiterate, raped. It, it it's it's like why? And we also learned in a, f- a couple of earlier episodes that uh, Betty, played by Allison Pill, is like." raped or traumatized by her father in some way. But guess what? Guess what they didn't fucking show? That white girl being raped and brutalized by her father. They didn't show that. They only implied that. But for some reason, you felt it was necessary to show Lucky being raped. Like, that's where it became like, so you're not slasher. You just hate black people. Like,
1: Betty at this point is has lost it. She wants to get rid of this Black family. She actually wants to now murder them. So she calls up the milkman who turns out to be a psychopath and kidnaps her and holds her in one of his milk silos. Like it I was like what why? And because Betty goes missing, some men at the community thinks it was Henry who caused Betty to go missing because Betty has been like doing horrific things to this family. Anyway, so these two men they go in and they like. Tor- there is a terrible torture scene with Henry where they like cut, cut off cut bad. off one of his fingers. They beat him, and it eventually happens that they're going to hang him in the basement. It was so strange because, like, at one point Allison tries to escape and then she's shot in the she's shot in the head, and that's the end of her of her arc. Like right. the milkman like murders her, and then so uh, get me. Out so the the ending of the film is, the ending of the series is Lucky escapes the insane asylum by beating up uh, the, the doctor there, this woman doctor. Does um. oh, that feel
0: great? We were like, uh-oh. Oh, yeah. It's going down. Yeah. She, she...
1: And, and she goes in, and it turns out she also has some sort of, like, magical power because she's being haunted. Anyway... She goes in, breaks into the house, and at this point, um, every the men from the house have been like, because of um, a Ruby at killing one of them. Ruby kills one of them. the The child kills one, and then the father shoots one in the leg, and he runs away, lets him go, and now they're all locked in the house, being tormented. <laughs> So after they're tormented by the two men, the two white men, then they start getting tormented again really horrifically by by the ghosts of the house or the, the demons from the house. Lucky comes in. She saves all of them. And then they step outside of the house. And there are policemen waiting to arrest all of them. And that's the end. Fade to black. Fade to black. So,
0: so they're probably dead.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. i they they die they're shot and killed because Ruby at, kill, kills a white man axes him in the back and Henry shoots the leg off shoots the shoots the leg off of one of them and so and was, lucky and and lucky beat the shit out of a doctor
0: so the lesson of the day is black people who stand up for themselves are will eventually be killed black people who don't stand up for themselves will eventually be killed so so I don't wanna watch that. Yeah. All my free time, all my day off. Oh Ben, why why don't you warp up the show ben? In
1: conclusion, them suffers from what I'm gonna term as the precious effect, which is when black characters are made to suffer and their sufferings are compounded for the sake of suffering and not to, you know, move the plot along or to, you know, develop character. So skip them and rewatch Get Out and Us and Lovecraft Country and Go ahead and support us on Patreon if you want this to continue, because trust me, we will continue this.
0: Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Side. We will be doing some reading next week for episode 32. We are reading N.K. Jemisin's The City We Became. We have got recommendations about this. Shout out to Natalie Kalich, and we cannot wait to finish this incredible book. It's a little bit long, so be sure to pick up this book or listen to an audiobook, and we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all.